You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC 254 event, which takes place on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC 254 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN+, ESPN, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday morning. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a lightweight contest between Joel Alvarez, who is 17-2, and and Alexander Yakovlev, who is 25-10-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? As always, a couple quick notes before we get rolling here. The opening betting odds that I will be quoting are market opening prices, and they're available at MMAoddsbreaker.com on our opening betting odds article for UFC 254 done by Adam Martin. So make sure you head over to MMAoddsbreaker.com and check out the opening betting odds article for UFC 254. Those are the lines that I'm quoting here, market openers. Now, the updated odds and the current betting lines are from Las Vegas here at Circa Sports, um, one of the best sports books in the world. So make sure you head over to CircaSports.com and down. Download the app and you can check out all of our betting lines. Again, updated lines from CircusSports.com. Also, make sure you guys head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out UFC 254 on the line. We do have a show for this event. The betting show is going to be awesome. Um, it does go live at 9.30 Pacific time Friday morning. That's 12.30 Eastern time and also available after the fact. So if you can't catch the live show, make sure you head back over to Fight Pass and check out UFC 254 on the line and all of our bets and predictions and everything. It's a quality show. Give us some support and check it out. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, now getting right into this card here. As Brian mentioned, Alvarez opened minus 285, the comeback on Yakovlev at plus 205. And right now, the line over at Circus Sports is currently minus 180 for Alvarez, the comeback plus 155 on Yakovlev. Obviously, the opening betting line was set to high disrespect on Yakovlev, and the betters out there early on came in and definitely took the dog value on Yakovlev. Yakovlev is a pretty solid fighter, underrated at times. I mean, he does have a pretty decent resume in, inside the octagon. He just doesn't get that public respect or the sharp respect at the betting window oftentimes, um, or as much as he should at least. But in this spot, I think he is an intriguing underdog here um, against Alvarez. I like Alvarez. I like what I see. The kid constantly improves. Uh, I mean, he's always getting better fight by fight. You've seen that in his last fight. It's, it was really evident there in his win. Duffy, the biggest win of his career. He looked good in the Bellardo fight as well, bouncing back from, um, you know, a pretty unfortunate decision loss in his UFC debut to a very talented fighter in Izamagulov. So he's rebound nicely. And again, he continues to improve. He's a, a very good ground fighter, has that finishing ability that he's shown time and time again, but his stand-up game continues to improve. So this is going to be a battle between two very well-rounded guys that have the ability to take the fight and do well everywhere it takes place. So I do think that Alvarez is getting better on the feet to the point where he can land some of the harder shots. He can be a little bit more aggressive and he can dictate and kind of control where the fight takes place. He does, does need to kind of stay off his back though. Cause Yakovlev does have a pretty legit ground game. And for the most part, he has decent sub defense. I mean, if he went, he rolled with the likes, I know he's been subbed in the past, but he's rolled with the likes of Damian Maya, obviously competed in the octagon with him and did not subbed in that fight. So it's not going to be easy for Alvarez to get the submission here. And I think we are going to see a very competitive back and forth type of battle. So it's probably a dog or pass situation. I just think there's more ups side to Alvarez and I like what I see how he's trending up and he's getting a little bit more confident so I'm going to pick him to win but at the betting window it is a dog or pass situation so I, I kind of hesitate here um, to kind of lay the chalk obviously on Alvarez I don't think that's a good idea I think you have to look at the dog if you're going to bet this fight or just stay away from it in general but my pick is going to be Alvarez yeah I'm not super confident about either of these guys um, Alvarez is someone that entered the UFC due to his strong ground game and so far, it's been a little bit of mixed results in the UFC. Um, most recently, the the win over Joe Duffy, he, you know, it looks good on paper, but Duffy kind of gift-wrapped that to him, um, ducking his head right in to a, a guillotine choke. 
Yakovlev, on the other hand, is a guy that has never really found his footing in the UFC. Uh, he's kind of bounced around weight classes, um, and he's really struggled of late. Um, his last four fights, he's lost three of them. Granted, you know, one of them was to the future champion, Kamaru Usman, but um, getting submitted by Zach Cummings after surviving uh, against Damian Maya, I just don't understand it. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then most recently losing a decision to Roosevelt Roberts, who has also struggled. Um, so, you know, Yakovlev, I think he's a, as good, if not the better striker on the feet, but he just never throws. So even though Alvarez is not as good a striker as Yakovlev, Alvarez probably could score some points on the feet and potentially, uh, sway judges there. If this goes to the ground, Yakovlev, I think, is the better wrestler, but Alvarez is so good with submissions and scrambling and pure grappling. Um, I would definitely favor Alvarez if this goes to the ground. So this kind of boils down to, can Yakovlev use his wrestling in reverse, keep it upright, and will he actually push a high enough tempo to where his technique shines? Um, and I'm just not convinced. So I think this is honestly a step down in opposition for Alvarez after he got the Duffy win. I think Duffy would be able to beat Yakovlev right now too. So I'm going to go with Alvarez, but not a ton of confidence because I still kind of view him as a one trick pony. And if he doesn't get a submission, what happens? So, uh, I'm picking Alvarez, but I'm not that confident. Now, Dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Liana Jojua, who is eight and three, taking on Miranda Maverick, who is seven and two. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Maverick opened minus one forty. The comeback on Jojua at plus one ten, and right now, looking over at Circa Sports, we are seeing an elevated line, to say the least. Uh, right now, it's Maverick minus 365, the comeback on Joju at plus 300. There are some 400 numbers out there as well, market-wide. So, needless to say, action coming in pretty strong on Maverick across the market. And it probably is right. Look, Jujua, in her last fight, she was pretty impressive by getting that submission victory. I think it was one of those spots, though, that Belbita just kind of blew it. I, I think she, it was a very winnable fight for her. I just think her fight IQ wasn't great there. She kind of fell into the trap, and Joju, a credit to her, did what she had to do and ended up getting a beautiful submission win. So she's a threat on the ground. She does have that capability. She's improving as well. you got to be careful with a fighter that does have that kind of will to get better and to kind of work on the flaws in her game and you could see the performances, kind of the confidence, everything coming together and becoming better. And I think that's what we're going to see from Jojuo overall. But right now, Maverick is ahead of her as far as across the board, I think, in mixed martial arts. She's the better wrestler. I think she's by far the better striker as well. The submission game offensively is pretty close. Um, again, defensively, they're both, I think, a little bit flawed times. So it'll be interesting to see who can win so, You know, some of the submission battles or whatnot if they do have uh, key moments on the fight with the grappling on the floor and scrambles or whatnot. But I do think that it's Maverick's fight to win or lose. I think she's going to be able to dictate this pace. I think if she wants to keep this fight upright, she should be able to do that. She should be able to land the cleaner uh, and more effective strikes on the feet. And then again, if she wants to mix in her takedown or two, she probably can and probably avoids getting submitted here on the ground. But um, again, that's Jojua's path to victory, though. If she wins this fight, it is going to be probably be by submission. I don't think she's going to be able to win on the scorecards. I don't think she's going to be able to win by knockout. So I think her main path is by submission again. I just don't see her getting Maverick in this spot. I think Maverick, again, is one of these fighters that's also improving. She's only 23 years old, so she's faced decent competition throughout her career already, and again, she's one of these fighters that could get into the UFC and really make some noise from an early stage, and this is a great fight for her to kind of display some of that skill that she has. So the pick is Maverick. The betting line at minus 365, almost minus 400, whatever, you can't touch it. I mean, at this at this price, I would just stay away from it. Don't even put it in a parlay. Maverick should get the W, though, so I'm picking her to win. And I'm going to go with Maverick as well. Um, I really was not impressed with Jojua. It, as Nick said, it was more her opponent blowing it than her earning the win. Um, Jojua is really talented with submissions, but she doesn't have very good wrestling. She doesn't have very good striking. So she's very reliant on what her opponent does to set up uh, her submissions. So if Maverick doesn't 
gift wrap a submission by, you know, taking her down and laying in guard and allowing her to set up an arm bar or a triangle or something. I don't really see a path to victory here for Jojua. Uh, Maverick is a significantly better striker, um, and she's the much better wrestler. So basically, if she just uses that wrestling in reverse and keeps this upright, she is just going to piece up Jojua on the feet. And uh, I don't really see anything else happening. I mean, uh, the only thing I'm worried about is Miranda just forgetting who she's fighting and just instinctively shooting for an easy takedown if Jojua is being reckless on the feet. That could set something up. But other than that, uh, I think this is, you know, kind of a cakewalk here for, for Maverick. I think uh, she wins in convincing fashion. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Da On Jung, who is 13 and 2, taking on Sam Alvey, who is 33 and 14. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Jung open minus 600, the comeback in Alvia plus 400. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we have Jung minus 315, the comeback in Alvia plus 265. So needless to say, action coming in on Alvia a little bit. True veteran, man. I mean, Sam Alvia has always been a little bit underrated and uh, kind of disrespected in a way uh, for his overall talent level. I know he's not always the most exciting fighter, meaning that, you know, he's not the busiest fighter whenever his fighting style isn't the most entertaining at times. But the guy's been in there with some really great fighters, and the guy definitely has skill, and he's been you know, like I said, in this sport for a long time and deserves to be respected as a fighter because he's got some quality wins on his resume as well. He's got that knockout power that's like you can sleep on at times. You don't expect it from him, but he can deliver it with that accuracy he has as well. Always performs better than people expect, even in the last fight he did as well. So Alvy is a game fighter, despite this little funk and the little skid that he's been on and, you know, kind of having some lackluster performances, of course, overall, he's definitely on the declining end of his career, but he's still a very capable and game opponent. But that said, I love what I see from Jung. There's no doubt about it. I mean, in this spot, he should be a decent favorite. I, I think he's one of the best prospects coming out of Korea that we've seen um, in a while. And that's something to be said, especially in this weight class, you know, and at the light heavyweight division. I think it's it's wide open for him to kind of work his way towards the top if he continues to get some quality wins. He's got some devastating knockout power, as we've seen. His technique is clean. He's got some wrestling to back that up as well and some decent ground awareness. And he's only going to be better. He's only 26 years old. So another spot where he's much younger, he's much fresher, and he's much more capable right now in this spot. Um, but he just has to respect Alvy's power and Alvy's uh, fight IQ at times. I mean, I know, again, he doesn't step on a game gas as often as we all like, but he's still a very intelligent fighter, and he's been in there, like I said, with some of the best fighters in the world. So, Alvy is a very experienced, savvy vet um, that's a little sneaky at times, so Jung has to respect that, but I do think it's Jung's fight to win or lose. At the betting window, though, again, you cannot lay minus 315, minus 340s that are out there, I think, in this spot against Jung, even though I do think he probably gets a win, obviously. Uh, he's the better fighter. He deserves to be in the favorite, but the price is just simply too high, and I don't really want to take a stab at Alvy here either, so the Pick is Jung, just another spot where you got to respect Alvy as a dog here, though. And I get what you're saying about not sleeping on Alvy. He entered that last fight against Ryan Spann on a three-fight losing streak, and he ended up, you know, just losing a pretty close split decision. So uh, this is still somebody that can, you know, get be in fights and has the ability to uh, surprise you. Um, that said, uh, Jung has looked sensational so far in the UFC. Um, I think the, the performance against Ibrahimov was, was solid, but the Mike Rodriguez destruction, uh, was very impressive because, uh, Rodriguez is a guy that I think is, has quite a bit of talent. And, uh, the way that he just blasted him with that right cross and then finished him, uh, was really, really impressive. So this guy has power on the feet. He has some submission ability. He has good technique and speed. I mean, he's kind of got a little bit of everything. The only thing you got to be worried about here is power. I mean, Sam Alvey is, uh, he's always had heavy hands, um, and it has translated, uh, moving up weight classes. I mean, the guy actually has, used to be a welterweight way back in the day, which is just crazy to think. But, um, he has scored. Uh, a knockout against Procneo at light heavyweight, but for the most part has not fought particularly well. 
uh, since making that transition to light heavyweight uh, and now is on that four fight losing streak. But as Nick said, you know, this is a veteran um, and he can still pull a rabbit out of his hat. Um, the main thing with Albie is while he does have a lot of power, he doesn't usually push a really high tempo so he can let a fight get away from him. And I think that's probably what happens here. So I'm going to go with Jung. I think that he probably wins a decision, but um, with Alvi having been knocked out a few times now uh, at, since moving up to light heavyweight, it wouldn't shock me to see Jung uh, connect with something and possibly finish him along the way. So Jung is my pick. Now, dropping down to the welterweight division, we have Alex Oliveira, who is 22-8-1, taking on Shavkat Rachmanov, who is 12-0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Oliveira up at minus 150, Rachmanov at plus 130. And right now, looking over Circus Sports, we have Rachmanov minus 125, Oliveira plus 05. So the line flipped. More action coming in Rachmanov's way, but there is some action coming back in Oliveira as well. This is an intriguing fight, man. I mean, Oliveira is one of these guys that is kind of hit or miss, meaning that sometimes he shows up and looks like he hasn't trained for a fight, slows down, gets picked apart a little bit, gets finished. I mean, you see that side of him, but other times, like his last fight against Sabota, the guy looked great, man. I mean, he's very patient, um, very clean technical skill, just... Dangerous on the feet as always. I mean, fought a really smart and patient fight and looked great. So that was one of the best performances, I think, of his career. He is taking this fight on short notice, and he's coming in overweight, as we've seen, too. We're, we are taping um, this podcast, obviously, after the weigh-ins have taken place. Um, so I'll miss weight by a few pounds. So with that said, he might not be coming in his peak shape. And he's facing a very game opponent, Rachmanov. I mean, this guy is a legit prospect. I mean, I love what I see from this. I mean, just... Uh, absolute stud because he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist um, he started training at a very young age he's only 25 right now and i mean the guy has championship credentials and a very good skill set i mean i think he's clearly the better fighter honestly across the board in every aspect of the game i think he's the better wrestler i think he's the more diverse striker and the cleaner striker um, i think his submission game overall is better as well the only danger in this spot for him is you have to respect Oliveira's finishing ability. I mean, he does have some power on the feet. He gets a little wild and aggressive. And again, he's kind of come in a little bit heavier here. And he's got that knockout pos potential and possibility. I mean, everything that I've seen from Rachmanov, I've loved. Um, but he did get clipped in a fight. He almost got finished. He almost got knocked out. I'm not even sure to this day how he survived and ended up winning that fight. He, he ended up looking okay after the fact, but there is some defensive flaws to his game that you have to um, respect Oliveira for. But at a pick-up type of price, I mean, honestly, it's a spot where if he doesn't get finished, he should win this fight on the scorecards or he should get the finish over Oliveira. So he should be the favorite in this fight and it shouldn't be hovering around a pick-up type of price. So with that said, I think there's value on Rachmanov. I think he's a tremendous fighter. I mean, he's coming into this fight, like I said, a step up in competition for sure overall, but there's a lot to like about him and I think he is successful in his UFC day view here and probably gets a finish over Oliveira. He just has to, again, be careful, be cautious, and not get clipped on the feet, and I think he's going to be okay here. So the pick for me is Rachmanov, and there is a little bit of value near pick on price, no doubt. Uh, I will start this with the caveat. I am historically terrible at picking Alex Oliveira fights. Uh, this guy is just all over the place for me. Uh, sometimes he looks amazing, sometimes he doesn't. Um, he has a a well-rounded skill set that allows him to overperform uh, against fighters that I think he's going to stink against, and then occasionally just completely crap the bed against fighters I think he's going to destroy. Um, it is super frustrating trying to predict how he's going to perform. But uh, taking on Rachmanov, I think this is a really bad matchup for Oliveira. I really do. Uh, and I know... That Nick mentioned how the line is close. I think realistically, the only reason it's close is because people don't really know who this guy is yet. Um, I think they're going to know his name after this fight because Oliveira is a pretty solid welterweight, you know, not top 15 level, but, uh, good enough that if Rachmanov does what I think he does against Oliveira, people are going to be, you know, he's the guy people are going to be talking about coming out of this event. So, uh, what do we know about Rachmanov? He's 12 and 0. Uh, he's the number one fighter out of, uh, Kazakhstan in the welterweight division. Um, and he has been going in there against 
talented, talented fighters. Uh, he was uh, an M1 champion, um, and he has, you know, consistently fought against really solid competition throughout his career. I mean, you just look, it's, it's not bums. I mean, he was, uh, you know, even at, in his fourth professional fight, uh, or his fifth professional fight, he took on a guy that was 12 and three. I mean, they were really testing him. Uh, so this is a guy that has excellent wrestling, solid striking, good submissions, can push a pace. Um, he really does, doesn't have a lot of flaws. The only thing I'm concerned about is that he did almost get knocked out one time in one of his wins. Um, so Oliveira has a puncher's chance here, but I think if Rachmanov is able to mix up the striking with his wrestling, uh, I don't think Oliveira is going to be able to keep up with them. I think at some point Rachmanov just overwhelms him because not only is this guy uh, a really talented wrestler and striker, and he's a ferocious finisher. Uh, almost every single one of his uh, fights has ended in the first two rounds. So uh, I think what happens here is uh, he just wears Oliveira down and then eventually puts him away, uh, whether it's ground and pound or a submission. So uh, I think Rachmanov by stoppage is a, a decent prop if uh, you really want to take a, a risk there. But Rachmanov is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to a 140-pound catchweight, we have Casey Kenny, who is 15-2-1, taking on Nathaniel Wood, who is 17-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Kenny opened minus 145, the comeback on Wood at plus 115, and right now what we're seeing over at Circuit Sports is Kenny minus 165, the comeback on Wood at plus 145. So, line did go up to about minus 200 or so for Kenny. Now it's coming back down um, on Wood as we're getting action back his way as well. So there is two-way action. There's sharp two-way action on both sides of this fight. It should be a great fight. I mean, what else can you say about Casey Kenny? I was more than impressed. I mean, this guy, to me, he's got more of a wrestling judo type of background. A takedown artist, um, kind of more of a ground fighter. But he's developing that stand-up game. I mean, he's not obviously he hasn't been a fish out of water on the feet at all. I mean, he's always had a decent stand-up game, but he's getting better and he's improving. And in his last fight, obviously he was, he had no interest really in taking it to the ground. He wanted to stand up and bang and, and prove that uh, his striking is getting better. And man, he was throwing some power on the feet with his kicks, with his punches. I mean, he was throwing some thunder. So you got to respect his stand-up game, but you also, again, he's just a complete fighter. You got to respect his all around skill set. So I love watching Casey Kenny compete. Uh, he's a solid, solid fighter. But the problem here, I think he's almost, with his quality wins and his performances as of late, I think he's almost getting a little bit too much respect against Nathan Wood. And I think the other way around for Wood, meaning that he's probably getting a little bit too much disrespect in this spot. This guy's a very talented fighter and a very well-rounded fighter in his own right. I mean, that loss to Dotson, I know it's kind of an eyesore to some right now, especially at this point of Dotson's career. Um, but he does have that, obviously, that kind of crazy speed and knockout power that Dotson can finish a lot of people. So not, not necessarily a, a devastating... Um, terrible loss and it's definitely something that Wood can rebound from and he did against uh, Castaneda in his last fight he looked pretty solid That's against a very game opponent Castaneda I don't think people realize how good that guy is I mean he's a very solid fighter so that was a quality bounce back win I think for Nathaniel Wood so I just think it's one spot where Wood's kind of Hype got derailed a little bit um, by Dotson, and I mean, people are kind of doubting him. And, and now they're shifting their gear a little bit more towards Kenny in this fight because they his performance has been so impressive. And, and I can understand the narrative here, so I, I get it. And I think Kenny is more than capable of winning this fight. Um, and you got to almost give him the slight edge in this fight. If this is a pick em fight, I mean, I can understand why Kenny would be a very tiny, tiny favorite. But still, minus 165, there's probably value on the underdog here with Wood, because I think the line should be a little bit closer, because I think what you see here is two guys that like to stand and bang, like to take the fight to the ground, obviously, but I think they will neutralize each other out in the grappling realm. I don't think they go for as many takedowns as we think here. He's going to want to stand and bang, and I think Wood is actually the better striker. I think he's the more skilled technical fighter. He's a little bit faster on the feet as well. He could be pretty effective. I think he's going to be darting in and out and kind of utilizing that footwork and speed and getting, giving Kenny a lot of problems. Kenny's going to be landing hard shots, though, and that's concerning for me because I think Wood defensively, you have to be a little bit worried, and he is hittable, obviously, and he gets clipped, and I think Kenny has enough power in the feet that he can 
kind of do some damage along the way. So that's the concern with Wood on the feet defensively. But offensively, he's the much more slow and I think he is going to be clearly the better fighter on the feet. And I think it will probably play out on the feet more than it will on the ground or against a cage. So I think we will see this fight just in all aspects because both these guys are true mixed martial artists. So we will see it play out in all aspects of the game. But I still think that this fight stays upright enough and it should be evident enough that Wood wins this fight and outpoints Kenny and gets a close decision win. So it's going to be a split decision type of fight. I think a 29-28, very competitive type of fight, if, especially if Kenny is unable to finish Wood. I think it's going to be really, really close on the scorecards, and I can see Wood pulling out this win. So I'll go against the grain. I will pick Wood to win this fight, and I think it is a dog or pass situation at the betting window as well because I do think, again, Wood is the better striker, and I can see this fight playing out on the feet and him outpointing Kenny, basically. But this is a great fight, and I do understand the popularity and the belief in Kenny on the other side of it. Now, I totally understand this being a dogger pass situation, but uh, in terms of a pick, I still have to side with Kenny. Um, I think in terms of ground skills, I think he is the superior ground fighter here. Uh, Wood has showcased some excellent grappling so far in his UFC run, uh, notably in his victories over uh, Ewell, uh, Quinones, Eduardo. But um, the the fight against John Dodson, where he wasn't able to get the the takedowns like he wanted and was forced to stand, even though in the past, you know, before he entered the UFC, he was known for having really good stand-up, uh, it did expose him a little bit with uh, the chin and uh, durability. That is an issue. Now, I'm not saying that Kenny has uh, the explosive power of Dodson uh, on the feet. Kenny does throw some heavy leather, and um, he could connect with something. So uh, on the feet, I think this is pretty evenly matched, but I actually would slightly favor Wood. Um, and on the ground, I would slightly favor Kenny. So it's going to boil down to... A, uh, does this go to the ground? What do the ground exchanges look like? I think this will be a really fun ground battle uh, because both of these guys have shown sensational skill on the canvas, but I think Kenny is the superior ground fighter of the two. He's been in there against better ground fighters and has performed better. Um, but on, And two, if this does stay standing, can Wood avoid getting clipped? Uh, because uh, I know Kenny's durable at this point. Would, I'm not quite so sure. So uh, I think this is close, but I have to side with Kenny because I think the the, the he has more paths to victory. Uh, for me, the only way I see Wood winning is if he actually is the better ground fighter, which I don't think he is, or if uh, it stays standing and he outpoints Kenny over three rounds. And I just don't think that that has as likely a chance of happening as Kenny scoring some takedowns or Kenny potentially knocking him out along the way. Uh, I also think Kenny might even submit him if it goes to the canvas. So uh, my pick is going to be Casey Kenny. Now moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Stefan Struve, who is 29 and 12 taking on Ty Tuivasa, who is 10 and three. Now, Nick, What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Struve opened minus 130 to come back on Tuivasa, even money. And right now, Tuivasa is minus 118 at Circus Sports comeback on minus 102. So line shifted Tuivasa's way. This is an interesting fight because you do have the better fighter in Struve by far. I mean, there's not even a question who the bigger mixed martial artist or the better one, I should say. But he is the bigger one also. Make no mistake about it. Struve is obviously going to have a length and uh, reach advantage over Tuivasa, but he also has the technical skill. He's the better striker on the feet. He can mix things up a lot better. Uh, I think he's a smarter fighter at times. I mean, he doesn't always use that fight IQ, which is frustrating because I think, obviously, that's one flaw also. It's good and bad. I mean, he's got that experience, and he's fought all those great fighters. So you like that about Struve, but at the same time, that IQ lets him down when he does some bonehead stuff at times as well. So that's yet to be determined how he's going to perform in this fight because he does have some clear paths to victory over Tuivasa here. But but the other side of it, I think Tuivasa is a dangerous matchup for Struve. He's one of these guys that's kind of known for his big power on the feet. He is a brawler. He is a, a very heavy hitter, and I think he can knock Struve out and catch his chin. So stylistically, especially if Struve 
doesn't play smart and I think look for kind of a takedown in this spot and get Tuivasa to the ground and then just dominate him on the ground because he's capable of doing that. I mean, even though I think Struve could technically beat him on the feet as well, it's just that he's going to be playing with a lot more fire there. So Struve's best path to victory for me in this spot is trying to take Tuivasa down and control him. Tuivasa isn't the easiest guy to take down at times, and he's constantly working on his wrestling. We know that because he has proved that. So we'll see where he's at in this spot and if he's improved some, you know, and the but he needs to definitely do that. We've seen those flaws in his game as of late, too. So I'm going to still go with Tuivasa. I think this is a good spot for him to get back horse, so to speak, and, and roll off a winning streak. He's a very fan-friendly type of fighter. I mean, the fans do support him. They get behind him. I think uh, he's fun to watch in the octagon at times as well. So this is a winnable fight for him. I think he could come out here if he could keep this fight upright and just use that power at the right time. He could clip Struve and put him out. So I will pick Tuivasa to win. Um, going against a tough, tough spot here because I am picking against the better overall mixed martial artist. I just think the timing is good for Tuivasa to get this fight, and I think he can probably catch that chin of Struve and get him out of there. So the pick is Tuivasa for me. And I'm going to come in the other way. I mean, Struve is just so much better than Tuivasa in just about every facet of mixed martial arts. Um, I think that he is the better technical striker. He's got the length. He's got power. He has significantly better ground game. Um, Tuivasa, really, the only thing he's got is he has heavy hands and he pushes forward. Now, sometimes that's all you need against Struve. I mean, if you can get inside, which he does allow, uh, his reach, then, and you connect with something nasty to, uh, up top, Struve goes down and he goes down hard. Um, so, uh, Tuivasa absolutely could demolish the skyscraper here, but um, overall, I mean, Tuivasa, you got to remember, you know, he is on a three-fight losing streak. He has been finished in uh, two of those three losses, um, one by knockout to Junior Dos Santos, and then most recently getting uh, choked out by Sergei Spivak, and he hasn't fought in a year. I mean, he got cut from the UFC, but they decided to bring him back, and... I think this is a fight where it's entertaining. Struve is just clearly the better guy here. So uh, I, I felt Struve uh, should have uh, got the win against uh, Ben Rothwell, but he ended up uh, in those low blows and that didn't get called and uh, ended up uh, getting TKO'd. But he was looking pretty good in that fight, and he uh, came back to win against uh, DeLima, so I feel like he's looked pretty decent since he uh, returned from his, you know, retirement, as they say. Um, and he's still, you know, not even that old. Um, you know, he's been in this game a long time, but at 32 years old, seven feet tall, having to cut weight to make the heavyweight limit, um, you know, this is a dangerous guy. So I think uh, he does avoid that big shot. And I think that he uh, wears Tuivasa down. And at some point, this fight goes to the floor, and Struve probably pulls off a submission. So Struve is going to be my pick. Now, kicking off the main card in the light heavyweight division, we have Magomed Ankalaev, who is thirteen and one, taking on Ion Kutalaba, who is fifteen and five. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? And Kalayev, minus 340, the comeback of Kudalaba at plus 260. And right now, over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Kankalayev at minus 285, the comeback of Kudalaba at plus 240. So another spot where the line did drop a little bit market-wide, but there is at coming back on Ankalayev, and he is starting to become a bigger favorite, I think, market-wide overall. But there is going to be two-way action in this fight. But again, the more popular fighter, definitely Ankalayev. Man, this guy is so fun. And the more I dig into this fight, the more I understand why everybody's kind of banking on him to get this done. I don't see too many people picking Kudalaba um, in general because I think stylistically it's kind of a tough fight on paper and, I mean, just by watching films. Well, Nikolai have such a good striker on the feet. I mean, he throws, obviously, beautiful technique, um, a very skilled and variety um, that he comes at at you with. He's more than capable of, of hurting you with his legs or his hands. I mean, just one of these guys that's pinpoint accuracy, power, 
Uh, he's just a thing of beauty to watch on the feed. He's really fun, but he also has a wrestling background and capable of taking the fight and grinding his opponents out. So he deserves to be the favorite in this fight. I just don't know about the line here. I think Kudalaba is definitely one of the toughest fights for him in this spot. If he's going to come out there and kind of get into brawl like they did last time for that short, short time we did see them in the cage together where Ankalaev uh, looked to to be having his way with Kudalaba, so to speak. But, I mean, we we all saw how that kind of went. I mean, Kudalaba was kind of obviously, you know, playing rope-a-dope a little bit or what, what you want to call it, kind of um, playing more hurt than he actually was. We all kind of seen that. The referee stopped it. We all know the controversy surrounding that. But that being said, you got to give credit for Ankalaev making it kind of look that way and landing like he did. So, But I think the exchanges and the confidence level of Ankalaev kind of going after a powerful slugger and technical fighter like Kudalaba is very dangerous. Kudalaba does have knockout power. He's getting better fight by fight as well. I think the guy is very impressive, honestly. And in the light heavyweight division, I mean, if he keeps on improving, he could be a major player. I know he has to tighten up that takedown defense and he's got to continue to get better a little bit on the feet, but he's got that game changing power when he does land and he's no joke at all. So I think that's why you have to be cautious here. Everybody kind of throwing Ankalaev in parlays, expecting him just to cruise here. But if this fight plays out on the feet and it's a fire fight again. Kudalaba definitely has a puncher's chance. I mean, it doesn't take much with his kind of power and accuracy to kind of change the complexion of a fight and win this fight. So I do think it's a dog or pass situation slightly in this spot. I Again, I do think Ankalaev is the more capable and better fighter overall. So I get it and I'm going to pick him. It's a kind of a pick the favorite, but dog or pass situation on the other end. I would not lay the chalk like everybody else kind of wants to and is going out of the way to do here in this spot. I think you got to be cautious. I mean, Ankalaev should this fight and I'm going to pick him to do so, but at the betting window, again, I think there's a little bit too much value, probably the other way. Uh, I wouldn't blame people for taking a small stab at Kudalaba here and, and going against the public grain, but nothing crazy, though, again, because you do have to respect Ankalaev, and I do believe that he is a phenomenal fighter. So we'll see how that plays out, but I do respect Kudalaba, but I am going to pick Ankalaev to get this done. And... I'm going to have to go Ankalaev as well. I mean, the first time around that they fought, um, the, the ref stepped in there and stopped it early, but I mean, Ankalaev was looking great. He was landing big shots. Um, it looked like he did have Kutalaba hurt a little bit. So I think that, you know, he probably would have done something similar if, uh, the ref had just allowed it to continue. But, um, this time around, um, I still like Ankalaev. I mean, this guy is a ferocious striker. Heavy kicks, good knees, heavy hands. He's more technical than Kutalaba. Um, he's just a little bit better at everything than Kutalaba. Uh, the only thing Kutalaba really has going for him here is he's durable, he's tough, and he can push a decent pace and throw at high volume with power. Um, so perhaps Kutalaba connects with something, but I think more often than not, we're going to see a repeat of history here with Ankalaev, you know, disguising some good attacks, setting up some heavy blow where it's a sneaky head kick or something. And I think that at some point he finishes Kutalaba along the way. So I think Ankalaev's meteoric rise continues and he picks up a, a victory in this rematch. So Ankalaev is my pick. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Lauren Murphy, who is 13 and 4, taking on Lilia Shakirova, who is 8 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Murphy opened minus 350, the comeback on Shakirova at plus 250. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Murphy minus 196 to come back on Shakarova at plus 171. So more action coming in the underdog. And if you're looking at a record, Shakarova's record, not impressive. I mean, you have to dig a lot deeper, though, than that and actually study some film on her and see that she's a pretty fun fighter to watch, man. I mean, she's definitely better than what I expected when I was looking deeper into her resume. Um, the level of competition she's fought is pretty weak. But you could definitely see the skill in Chakarova's game. I mean, I think she she's a very good technical fighter on the feet. She's got clean striking, good, really good boxing. Uh, she mixes in some wrestling and a capable ground game to go along with it. So she's one of these fighters that I think is going to do really well in the UFC. She, so she's kind of a welcome addition despite her 
her resume not being kind of overwhelming. That said, on the other side of it, Murphy's resume is more than impressive, and she's not taking this fight on short notice, so I should mention that as well. It's uh, Shakarova coming in here, stepping up on short notice, so that's a strike against her as well. Murphy is always in pretty decent shape, obviously, and again, she's fight faced a lot of good competition. She's got some momentum on her side right now, um, rolling in with three tremendous wins. Um, she's, again, just a better overall fighter, I think, and more experienced fighter, especially in the octagon. I think she's going to be able to kind of bully Shekharova a little bit more and kind of make this her kind of gritty type of fight, but she does tend to fight to the level of competition, so I think this is going to be a very competitive fight, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the action early on come in on the underdog as well, because Shekharova is more people making this a very competitive fight, a 29-28 or maybe even a split decision type of fight with the way judging is, but that being said, it's hard to pick against Murphy in this spot. I do think that she will do enough to steal rounds here and probably edge out this fight on the scorecards. I'd be surprised if it did, does get this done, but again, I understand at the price why Shakarova is kind of a popular bet. So expecting good things from both ladies in this fight, but I'm going to actually pick Murphy. But at the betting window, it is tough to lay that chalk. And right now where Shakarova line is kind of dropping, I don't think there's really any value left in that either. So at this point, you got to kind of stay away, or it might be a Murphy or pass situation soon if the line keeps dropping. Yeah, this is interesting because uh, Shakarova is stepping in on short notice uh, for Cynthia Calvillo. And that was going to be a heck of a fight between Murphy and Calvillo. Um, but Shakarova, you know, don't sleep on this girl. You know, even though she is stepping in on short notice and making her UFC debut against, you know, one of the top flyweights in the world, um, Shakarova's talented. I think she's the better striker here against Murphy. And, uh, but Murphy will make up for it with the toughness, the grit. Um, and the way that she can ugly up a fight by dragging it into the clinch and scoring uh, takedowns. Um, and Murphy can be devastating from top position. She's not an amazing wrestler, but she has heavy hands and she can just beat women to a pulp. So uh, I'm definitely concerned about Shakarova getting bullied here. I'm a little concerned about Shakarova slowing down as this fight wears on. Um, but... Uh, again, don't sleep on her. She is talented. She has uh, some good striking skills. And if this somehow does stay in open space, I think she could uh, land some good strikes on the feet against Murphy and uh, at least win a round or possibly win more than one and take a decision. But um, I think more often than not, the most likely outcome here is Shakra starts strong in open space and then Murphy starts pressuring her and crowding her and taking away some of her weapons. And that's how Murphy ends up winning. It's just clinching, takedowns, uglying it up, uh, not letting Shakarova uh, get comfortable. So I'm going to side with Murphy, but uh, don't be surprised to see Shakarova have some moments here. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Phil Hawes, who is 8-2, taking on Jacob Malkin, who is 4-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Haas open minus 340, the comeback on Malkoon at plus 260, and right now over Circus Sports, we're seeing Haas minus 240, the comeback on Malkoon at plus 205. Action early on on the dog. Why? Because Malkoon is a very capable fighter. I think the guy has a very good skill set, especially on the feet. He's got knockout power. You can see the patience and the ability to land and, and execute his game plan on the feet. Oftentimes he also does look for takedowns when he has to, and has some good ground and pound and capable of finishing the fights on the ground as well. So Malkoon is a very well-rounded up and coming fighter. And another one of these guys that I think continues to improve fight by fight. And we're going to see him kind of improve leaps and bounds between fights if that makes any sense as well so i really think that he's probably coming into this fight a little bit underrated despite the early action coming in on him i think some people realize that early on and that's why they were willing to come in and uh, make a play on him because i think again he could present a lot of problems for hawes but the other side of it i think hawes is the better fighter at this point of his career i mean this guy talk about coming into his own you know obviously there was a lot of hype and expectations coming into uh, hawes's mma career to begin with and he was kind of a disappointment um, overall. And I know that's not fair to say because some of his losses to, are to against solid competition for sure, but I think a lot of people were expecting him to kind of roll off in kind of an undefeated streak there for a while and have more success than he did. That being said, he's bounced back nicely. I mean, getting a solid win and 
Bellator on the Contender Series in his last fight as well, and a couple fights in between. I mean, this guy is definitely coming into his own, getting some of that confidence back. He is a very explosive and dynamic fighter on the feet. He's obviously got the wrestling background that he could dictate and take this fight to the floor when he wants to as well. So it's, it's really his fight to win or lose here, because I think he is the more capable fighter. He just has to be cautious and be careful, because he has to respect Malkoon on the feet. He's got power, and again, Malkoon will, even though Haas is the better wrestler, or at least on paper, he should be, right? Uh, Malkoon will look for some takedowns here as well, and he you got to be careful with the submission game, too. So this should be a very good fight. I understand it's a dogger pass situation and why everybody came in on the underdog early, but I do think Haas probably gets the win. Will I lay minus 240? Absolutely not, because, again, Malkoon is such an interesting prospect for me to watch, and I think he's going to come in here even better than we actually expect and perform decent. So we'll see, but I do like Haas in this fight, and I like his momentum coming into this spot as well. So the pick for me is Haas. Yeah, this is a really interesting fight because, uh, you know, Haas – you know, he had the, this is like the third time's the charm for him. Uh, he tried to get on into the UFC through the ultimate fighter, did not work out. Then he tried the first time, uh, by taking on or going in a Tuesday night contender series again, did not work out, but then he won three fights in a row and earned another trip to a Tuesday night contender series. And this time won in convincing fashion just a month ago. Uh, with that overhand right and ground and pound against uh, Bestaev. So he's on a four-fight winning streak. All his wins have been uh, in the first round, looked impressive in every fight. Uh, so it seems like he's really started to figure things out. Um, now, uh, Malkoon, on the other hand, you know, this is a guy that is uh, pretty solid in all facets. Uh, he has devastating ground and pound. He has a decent submission game, pretty good grappling, and some decent uh, striking and kickboxing. So overall, uh, he can push a decent pace. I mean, he's he's just a pretty solid, well-rounded fighter. The problem, though, is I don't think he has, like, really heavy hands. Uh, so if he's trading blow for blow with Hawes, Hawes will be landing the heavier shots. And... Um, one of the biggest strengths of Malkoon is his ability to take fights to the ground and start beating people up from top position. And I think Hawes is the better wrestler. So this is kind of a tough matchup here for Malkoon to be making his UFC debut, even if Hawes is also making his debut. Um, I just think Hawes is a little bit better than him. Um, I think, uh, you know, he just, he, he kind of has it all, uh, athletic, good wrestling power, um, and I think that that comes through here. I'm not convinced that Malkoon will get knocked out, but I can see Hawes at least winning a decision, uh, outworking, uh, Malkoon along the way. And I think the, the wrestling edge is going to be really important here because Malkoon is going to get a little frustrated at times. So, uh, I'm going to side with Hawes. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division. We have Alexander Volkov, who is 31 and 8, taking on Walt Harris, who is 13 and 8. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Volkov minus 175 to come back on Harris plus 145. That was the opening market price. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports minus 190 on Volkov, the comeback plus 165 on Harris. So another one of these spots, we are getting two-way action. A lot of people are intrigued by the dog price on Harris. A lot of people are intrigued by the value they think they're getting on Volkov on the other end of it because Volkov is definitely the better, more skilled fighter. In fact, I mean, I, I think Volkov actually impressed more in his loss to Blades than he has in a lot of his fights to me. I mean, his win over Greg Hardy was pretty impressive, too, because Greg Hardy, believe it or not, is obviously no joke. You have to respect his power and his ability on the feet as well. And uh, Volkov just fought tremendous in that fight. Very good fight IQ. Did exactly what he had to do to get that nod over there, over a very good and dangerous opponent in Hardy. But then he followed up and gave Blades a very tough test, one of the best wrestlers in the heavyweight division, you could see the improved Volkov's takedown defense and his game overall. That was very impressive, man. So despite losing, Volkov is definitely one of the best heavyweights in the world, and he continues to work on his game. And he's a no joke. He's a threat, man. I mean, he could definitely get a shot at that title one day um, if he keeps on getting these W's. And he has to get this win over Harris, though, to do that. And, and But this isn't going to be easy, man. Harris presents a lot of problems for Volkov. Volkov has been knocked out in the past. Um, we've seen the late knockout against Derek Lewis, and then in Bellator, he also got knocked out earlier in his career. 
So he has been put out uh, powerful punchers. And make no mistake, Harris is a powerful puncher and kicker, no doubt about that. So that's his path to victory, man. Volkov, again, he's more technically sound. I think he's just better across the board. Even on the feet, I think Volkov is better than Harris. But Harris is more explosive early on, and he's got more of a knockout threat for sure, especially the first half of this fight. So I think Volkov needs to respect that, and that's what makes it a difficult bet here to lay the chalk on Volkov because I think he could kind of weather through that storm and of course he can outpoint Harris um, and he could probably finish Harris on the ground he can find it, finish Harris on the feet well there's multiple paths of victory for Volkov for sure I think he wins on the scorecards across the board Volkov is better but the one path of victory I think Harris has in this spot is very very possible and you have to respect it and that's the knockout so that's again what makes it difficult I pick Volkov he's the better fighter I'm going to pick him to win but I'm not really intrigued by laying minus 190 in this spot if Harris has a little bit too much power, you have to respect that. So the pick is Volkov. Be careful if you're betting this fight. Yeah, Nick kind of laid out uh, my exact thoughts here. I mean, you you look at Harris and you know that he has the ability to end a fight at any moment. Uh, he has a ton of power. He's picked up some quality wins in the UFC. Uh, you know, knocking out Ace Sherman, Cyril Asker, Daniel Spitz, Sergey Spivak, uh, Alexei Olenek. Uh, you know, this guy can be absolutely ferocious. The problem is, um, I think that he does lack some technique. So when he faces uh, a superior striker, um, it, it can show. Um, and also on the ground, he has some issues, but this time around, Volkov isn't probably going to be looking to take him down. So, uh, it's going to boil down to technique. And, uh, Volkov is very good at using distance. Uh, this guy has, uh, a good jab, good straight punches, and, uh, I think that he's gonna be flustering Harris over the course of three rounds, but, um, you can't count Harris out, as Nick said. I mean, you just look at his last fight. You know, Alistair Overeem, you know, was a K1 kickboxing champion, is a tremendous kickboxer, and, uh, Harris almost finished him in that first round. Uh, you know, he clipped him and had him in trouble, just couldn't quite put him away. So, uh, and we've seen Volkov, you know, against Derek Lewis, where he was winning for about 14 minutes and 50 seconds. And then Derek Lewis out of nowhere blasted him with a big right hand and finished him. So, uh, it can happen. Um, Volkov is definitely the better fighter here, but I would not be shocked if Harris connects with something. Cause I think Harris is a better striker than Derek Lewis. So if Lewis can do it, then Harris absolutely can do it. But I think the more likely outcome here is Volkov outpointing Harris over the course of three rounds, perhaps even to the point of finishing him along the way. So my pick is going to be Volkov. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we have former champion Robert Whitaker, who is 21 and 21-5, taking on Jared Cannonier, who is 13 and 13-4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Cannoneer opened minus 145. The comeback of Whitaker plus 115. Right now over Circus Sports, we have Pick'em exactly minus 110 Whitaker, minus 110 Cannoneer. More money coming in on Whitaker, the former champ, rebounding nicely in his last fight against Darren Till. Very difficult matchup going into the fight. I mean, it was a really good performance by him. I think he kind of showed that he had something left in the tank, which was much needed, I think, for a lot of people out there to prove that he can, you know, fight still amongst the elite fighters. And to me, as I said previously, those fights with Romero were brutal. I think they took a lot out of his career, honestly. And then obviously getting knocked out by Adesanya, not a good showing there either. And then, but he did, again, bounce back, got a little bit of confidence, fought very smart and a very good fight against Darren Till. Very close fight, by the way. But I do think that he deserved to get that nod and he showed again some life and he's not, you can't count him out. He's not done yet for sure, but this is a definite tough test for him and a dangerous matchup for him as well. In his last fight, he fought Darren Till, which was a welterweight that moved up to middleweight. Now I'm not saying uh, Darren Till's a small middleweight. He's filled out nicely and the guy definitely is a threat and has power on the feet to destroy his opponents. Even the middleweight, middleweight division, we all know that, but Cannoneer was a former heavyweight, light heavyweight. Now he's dropping down to middleweight. He's carrying that power with him. And since he's moved down to the middleweight division, the guys look phenomenal, man. I mean, he's in great shape. Uh, you would never guess that he was a heavyweight at one point, and he was all that much better. He looks like a natural 
just chiseled freak at middleweight, and he's performing like it as well. I mean, his win over Branch and over Anderson Silva, I mean, amazing, right? That's just the, I know I understand, you know, the situation or whatnot, but still, quality wins over Hermanson in his last fight as well. I mean, this guy is a serious threat to Whitaker in this spot with his power and with his focus. And I mean, I think he's just mentally and physically prepared to come in here as the dark horse. I mean, that, that's been said, even not a sign himself is that he thinks of Jared Cannonier as a dark horse in this middleweight division. And I believe so as well. I mean, the guy has that kind of potential and then that kind of knockout threat that he can honestly win the title that route. I mean, you got to respect his punching power. I'm not saying he's going to beat Adesanya, so don't jump the gun yet, but I'm just saying you have to respect this guy's power. And right now he's getting Whitaker in what I believe is not the peak of his career. I think Whitaker, despite him bouncing back against Till, I still don't think we're going to see the best of Whitaker at this point. I do see we are seeing, I do think we will see a better form of cannoneer still to come so i think he's kind of on the rise where whitaker's kind of staying where he's at or at least kind of taking a few steps back um which is kind of the norm at this point of his career so this fight is made i think for cannoneer to come out here despite him being the older fighter in an mma years he's really not i mean i think he's a little bit more fresh and a little bit more left in the tank despite having a couple of knockout losses on his resume as well at higher divisions i think the time and the way he stylistically matches up with whitaker he can get the knockout here and win this fight and, and kind of propel him into possibly the next title shot as we think he could, you know, could possibly get if he wins this fight over Whitaker. So my pick is Cannonier. I think the guy's legit in middleweight. I think it's just a good match. I think he's going to get the biggest win of his career over Robert Whitaker. So the pick is Cannonier to win and the bet would be Cannonier to pick him price. I think he should be the slight favorite here. I think the opening line was a lot more accurate than the current price right now. So a little bit of value his way as well. So let's see. See what happens here, but I am going to pick Kenner to win this fight. This fight's really interesting to me because, you know, Robert Whitaker, I think, is the more well-rounded of the two fighters. You know, he mixes up a solid striking regimen with the ability to get takedowns. And uh, Cannoneer, though, I think he perhaps could be Whitaker's kryptonite. I mean, you remember uh, Whitaker's legendary battles with uh, Yomero. I feel like Cannoneer is that same type of athlete uh, that is uh, super explosive, super powerful. Uh, I mean, he has just devastated the middleweight division since he dropped down. Uh, you know, you got to remember, this guy came into the UFC in the heavyweight division. And then after picking up a, a win, he drops down to light heavyweight. It didn't quite go his way, but you also got to remember who he lost to at light heavyweight. He lost to Glover Teixeira, Jan Blachowicz, and Dominic Reyes. Every one of those guys has either fought for the title or has been or is the current champion. Like, that's insane that uh, the, the level of competition he faced in the light heavyweight division. Um, but since dropping down to middleweight, I mean, it hasn't gotten any easier. He has faced absolute studs uh Debut at middleweight, he crushes David Branch, then takes on Anderson Silva and leg kicks him into, uh, stop, into basically quitting. Um, and then his most recent performance, you know, Jack Hermanson looked unstoppable and he uppercuts him and that fight is over. Um, so, uh, I mean, Cannoneer has just looked like an absolute wrecking machine in the heavyweight, in the division. And I know that Whitaker looked good in his last fight against Darren Till, but you got to remember, you know, Till was a big welterweight that moved up. This is Cannoneer, who was a heavyweight that has dropped down. I think it's just going to be too much. I think he's going to overwhelm Whitaker. You know, this guy, Cannoneer, has the power, the speed, um, and I still think Whitaker um, is not going to be able to handle the heat that Cannoneer is throwing. Uh, if Whitaker can somehow force this to be a really good, close technical battle, then he has a good chance. But um, I, while I, I just think uh, Cannoneer is going to overwhelm him. Uh, I think the big shots from Cannoneer, uh, and the second he smells blood, he's just going to go for it. So uh, I think this fight does stay standing, and I think that Cannoneer's uh, explosive power is going to be the difference. So... Um, I could see Whitaker winning this fight all the way up until he gets knocked out. So um, I'm going to pick Cannoneer. I wouldn't be shocked if Whitaker walks away with a decision, but I just think uh, and I'm excited to see what Cannoneer can do here and 
perhaps earn that next title shot. So Cannoneer is going to be my pick. Now dropping down to the lightweight division for the main event of the evening, we have the champion Habib Nurmagomedov, who is 28-0, taking on Justin Gaethje, the interim champion, who is 22-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Nurmagomedov opened minus 350, the comeback on Gaethje at plus 285, and right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is minus 335, for Nurmagomedov and the comeback on Gaethje is plus 280. So another spot where they lined that down originally, um, it was all the way down to minus 200 in some spots, um, as low as minus 215 um, at Circus Sports. And then again, now it's back up to minus 335. So there's been some major, major swings in this fight market-wide. Um, early on, it was all Gaethje. Now as we get closer to fight time, Khabib is getting the support and the love, which is understandable. I mean, the guy's a beast, one of the best lightweights of all time. Obviously, the most one of the most dominant undefeated fighters. You know what he's going to do. Nobody can stop it. He's dominated guys with decent takedowns in the past. I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, his ability to just kind of grind you out and get his path to victory so clear and focused and get it done every time. I mean, it's, it's just amazing what he's able to do. He is improving the one and becoming a more well-rounded mixed martial artist. So he's not just a one trick pony. You have to respect that power. And especially with his takedowns. I mean, you saw what he was capable of doing, even to Conor McGregor, because you have to respect the takedowns so much that defensively you kind of let up. He's got that kind of power on the feet where he could just drill a big shot at you right away and he could do some damage. So you got to respect uh, Khabib, even as far as the, the top game goes as far as on the ground, obviously, but even the stand-up. I mean, he could throw some of those bombs on the feet, and you got to be careful, especially Gaethje here, because defensively at times, we know he kind of lets his guard down, and he's hittable. But make no mistake, Gaethje has a clear, clear advantage on the feet over Khabib. I think Gaethje kind of destroys Khabib on the feet. If they, if they want to play that game, which Khabib is not going to, he's been clear about his game plan. He's going to try to take uh, Gaethje down, but Khabib will get hurt on the feet against Gaethje. Gaethje is coming off of the best performance, one of the best performances I've ever seen from a fighter, period, because he had to fight that kind of fight against Ferguson to get it done. Just beautiful. I mean, Ferguson on that crazy win streak, one of the best fighters in the UFC, period. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. And Gaethje going out there and just dominating like the, he did. And my concern going into that fight was actually him slowing down and him starting to gas as the fight went deeper. But he paced himself. His conditioning was at an all-time best. I mean, Trevor Whitman in his corner is just phenomenal as well. They're such a great team, Gaethje and Whitman. Um, so you got to love that about, you know, Gaethje listening to his coach and, and just how well they kind of – fit in with each other. You know, I mean, they're having all the success and it's starting to all click for them. So that's great to see as well. So everything's coming to form for Gaethje is improving. If he could kind of carry that momentum into this fight, it's going to be interesting, man. It's hard to bet against Khabib. It's hard to pick against Khabib because of what he's done in the past to just phenomenal fighters. So we know that, man. So I'm not going to pick against Khabib. I can't. I mean, at a pick, I'm, you know, flip coin, of course, like you got to favor Khabib because he's just such a dominant fighter. But the wrestling background that Gaethje has, I mean, that's a narrative here, right? A lot of People are throwing that out there, like, hey, Khabib's never faced a wrestler like Gaethje. That's true. I mean, Gaethje does have the capabilities and the possibility of, of keeping this fight upright, I think, and having some success doing so. It's probably brawling. He's just going to have to come in in the peak shape of his life. He, I mean, he's going to have to, again, take it up even a notch from that Ferguson fight, really, because he's going to have to stuff a lot of takedowns to do the damage that he wants to do on the feet here and win this fight. I think he's capable of doing so. So it is a dog or pass situation at the current price. I just can't pick Gaethje to win straight out. I mean, again, picking and betting are two different completely aspects of the game. So I am going to pick Khabib to win this fight. But if you're looking at the betting window, I would not lay that chalk against a fighter like Gaethje, especially how they could possibly match up. Again, none of us really know if Khabib's going to come in here and be able to ragdoll Gaethje. We're all guessing that he will at some point. But we really don't know until they get in there. So with what we've seen from Gaethje, the price is a bit too high thus far because, again, Gaethje's capable. He's got great takedown defense, wrestling background, that he could make this a very difficult fight and possibly the most difficult fight of Khabib's life. So with that said, it's a dog or pass situation. I think there is some value at plus 280, plus 285s that are out there market-wide. I wouldn't blame you guys for taking a small stab at Gaethje here. That's probably the way to go. But the pure pick, hard to pick against Khabib, and I won't do it here. So the pick is Khabib, but the value to me – is clearly on Gaethje. I don't care if Khabib goes out there and does what he always does and gets his fight done. I mean, wears Gaethje out and wins his fight in round three, round four, or stoppage on the ground, whatever the case may be. I still think the price was too too high right now 
pre-fight, despite how the, this fight adds either way. So with that said, again, I think Gaethje has some value, but hard to pick against the man, Khabib. And I ha- I can't pick against Khabib either. I mean, you have to remember, Justin Gaethje has looked incredible uh, since he's really started making those nice adjustments and stopped uh, getting too reckless in there, but... Um, I, I just can't pick against, uh, the most dominant fighter in the UFC today. Uh, Habib has made some strides on the feet and his ground game is just unbelievable. The pressure that he's able to put on opponents, um, you know, there's really no comparison right now in the UFC. When he gets top position, he does not let up and he absolutely punishes you. So, um, I think that that is most likely what happens here, but Justin Gaethje is a really talented wrestler, so perhaps he is able to stifle Habib here. And if he does, you know, Habib, while he did knock, you know, rock Connor on the feet, um, you know, the stand-up is not his strong suit. Um, you know, Michael Johnson had, did great against Habib in the first round of their fight. Um, so, you know, and I think Justin Gaethje will do just as good, if not better, um, especially with some of the performances he's been putting on. So, uh, you know, Habib needs to get this to the ground. If he doesn't get this to the ground, it gets interesting in a hurry. But, you know, I just think he gets it to the ground. Um, you know, Justin Gaethje has been taken down by other opponents already in the UFC. Now, they didn't keep him down, but uh, Michael Johnson took him down and Eddie Alvarez took him down. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that Habib will have too much issue with it, but uh, Gaethje does have a great team in his corner. Trevor Whitman, one of the best coaches in the game, will be uh, working the game plan with him. Um, the other factor that potentially uh, is something to think about is, you know, Habib's dad died. Um, that's been uh, the guy that has been his primary motivation, uh, his coach, you know, his everything. So how is he going to perform in the first fight since that happened? So um, there are a few factors here that are making me not quite 100%, but uh, I still think that in terms of the skill and talent and everything that he possesses, uh, you can't pick against Habib. So I'm going to side with Habib to, to get the win, but... Uh, I do think that the betting odds are a little bit out of control. Uh, Gaethje is too talented to be that big of an underdog against anybody. So uh, I'm picking Habib, but, you know, maybe make a bet on Gaethje if you are a big fan and you think he can pull it off. But uh, Habib will be my final pick. I think most likely uh, he either wins a decision or gets a late stoppage. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC 254. Um, if we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB premium on Twitter, because that's where we'll post them first. We also have a free bet section on, uh, the top panel of MMAOddsbreaker.com. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker premium. Good luck, everyone. And hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend. <laughs>